Winning with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics. Hello and welcome to the Robots Podcast. My name is Jana and in today's episode we're going down under to visit the Australian Centre for Field Robotics Marine Systems Group at the University of Sydney. This group is focused on developing autonomous systems for marine environments, including systems that can carry out underwater surveys and collect oceanographic data. The potential of these systems to support work in other fields, such as engineering, ecology, biology, conservation, geoscience, archaeology, and even industry, is huge. Our interviewer Ron spoke to Professor Stefan Williams, President of the Australian Robotics and Automation Association, about his work on the Marine Robotics Program, and how this has helped us to understand more about our oceans. Stefan, if I can get you first to introduce yourself to our podcast listeners. Sure. Yeah. Hi, my name is Stefan Williams. I'm a professor at the professor of marine robotics at the University of Sydney's Australian Centre for Field Robotics. Um, I lead a group here working in the area of marine robotics, and we undertake both fundamental and applied uh, research in the area of um, marine robotics and the development of, of uh, underwater. Um, systems. What is the main goal of the marine group? Uh, a big part of our focus over the last decade or so is really in developing tools and techniques that help um, yield a better understanding of um, marine environments. And we work in a variety of different application areas, um, from ecology to archaeology and geoscience, and also the under, uh, underpinning engineering um, research in areas such as um, vehicle navigation and control planning and then machine learning and computer vision that we apply to a lot of the data that we collect to facilitate a better understanding and, and you know, allow us to really provide information to our end users about the data that we're collecting. When you talk about um, autonomous marine surveying systems, Mm-hmm. Uh, what, kind of, what kind of capabilities are we talking about today? Um, is, is this a kind of a, a mix of manual and autonomous uh, techniques? So where is the AUVs? Yeah, so the, the main work that we do uses autonomous underwater vehicles. So these are vehicles that are disconnected from the surface. So we program them with a, a particular mission um, that we'd like them to execute. And that might be you know, a big long transect over a particular, say, depth profile, or it might include very detailed studies over particular features of interest. And then the vehicle goes down and and, um, executes that mission. Um, We stay in communication typically with the vehicle using uh, acoustic um, modems. So the vehicle tells us what it's doing, uh, gives us some feedback on the data that it's collecting, and then we're able to have some supervisory control to tell it, you know, well, you're in the wrong spot, please come up, or, or you know, there's some issue with like, the, the mission to abort, for example. Um, we do have some capability also to redirect the missions while they're underway. And then that data is all collected, or the data is all collected on board the vehicles. And then once we recover them, we download the data, and then we build detailed 
three-dimensional models of these marine habitats using either and, and primarily the vision data, but we also collect um, multi-beam sonar, so we have acoustic data as well uh, if we're looking to map broader areas of the seafloor. Um, that's sort of the core technology has been developed around um, these autonomous platforms, but we've also um, built systems for both shallow water survey using divers um, and also very deep water exploration uh, using remotely operated vehicles. So we have platforms and, and payload, like sensor packages that we can put in, use in other, other ways than with just the autonomous platforms. Okay, I see. You spoke about the, the acoustic uh, modems, etc. Uh, what kind of level of data can you get, um, can you get out of that? Is it um, to the level of telemetrics? Can you actually sift some data instead of downloading it uh, at the end of the mission? Um, most of the data that we get back at the moment is uh, the supervisory nature. So it'll tell us, the robot tells us where it is, you know, how deep it is, how far it is off the bottom, uh, the amount of data or number of images that's collected, um, those sorts of things that allow us to just monitor the progress of the mission and ensure that things are on track. Um, as That modem also features some positioning, uh, sort of piggybacked on positioning information, so it also tells us where the vehicle is as an independent measurement from the ship. Um, we then send both the ship position and the observations of the robot's position relative to the ship down to the vehicle, and it updates its estimate of where it is using that information. So we're able to sort of correct any drift in the navigation estimate using those external observations. Um, the modems that we're using currently, and we've just um, taken on a new positioning and, and modem package in the past year or so are capable of higher baud rates so we sh- in, in theory at least we can get at least you know thumbnails of images um, i've seen some work where they're actually using these sorts of the same sorts of acoustic modems to do low bandwidth video across an acoustic link but that's a capability that we still have to develop i believe that your group were working on some novel um, enhancement to acoustic communication from the operator to the robot is is that yeah. to increase the board rate and what happens? so we've just well we've we've just um, been awarded an Australian Research Council linkage grant which really encourages the uh, research the research community to engage with uh, industry partners and this is a partnership with Telus Australia they do a variety of different uh, developments in the marine space particularly focused on defence applications. But the, the project really is around, and that's, that project is just spinning up, but it's really around um, how do we manage uh, the communications channels? So not necessarily developing new acoustic communications equipment, but how do we make decisions about what information is best to send across that acoustic communication channel um, that will allow the operator to most effectively monitor the, the progress of a mission? So what we want to do is, is to decide in an information-theoretic sense what information is best from the point of view of giving the operator uh, an idea of what's happening, but then allowing that operator to make decisions and query for further uh, information from the vehicle. So it might uh, be used to refine um, an estimate of where particular targets are in an environment or to request more detailed, high-resolution components of that in a particular area that might be of interest to the operator. I also was aware of a multi-session SLAM-based AUV mapping um, system. Uh, there was an example of a BC rec 
that you guys worked on. Uh, what, what does that entail? So, the, sort of giving the wider context, we've been involved over the past year in a project together with the Woods Hole Oceanographic Institute and the Hellenic Ministry of Culture and Sport and a, a few other organizations in um, firstly mapping and then beginning excavation of a first century BC shipwreck off the coast of the island, the Greek island of Antikythera. Um, this wreck was first discovered in, in 1900 and excavated uh, around that time, yielding a whole trove of, of statues and, and other you know, um, ancient artifacts, including something called the Antikythera Mechanism, which is a, uh, one of the first examples of, of what people consider to be an analog computer. It was a a geared mechanism that was used for predicting uh, celestial motion um, out to, you know, over a fairly extended period of time so they could predict where the sun was and the phases of the moon and things like that. So it's a really unique artifact which um, hasn't been documented previously. So it's a pretty fascinating um, site to be uh, exploring and, and the objective of our work there was to provide the archaeologists with a, a baseline map before they started further excavation on the site. We first visited the site in September and, and of uh, 2014 and conducted surveys over um, the main uh, target area as well as looking at other targets of interest that they'd identified using uh, acoustic multi-beam data collected the previous year. In 2015, we returned in, in June and mapped a, a very extensive part of the, the coastline um, around the wreck site because um, some of the diving operations they'd, they'd conducted in 2014 identified other areas of interest. Um, so we, we delivered a, a map of their their target um, excavation sites, and they were able to use those maps in situ. Um, so they actually had um, copies of the maps on iPads, which they were able to annotate while underwater, um, diving in, in depths of 50 to 60 meters of, of water depth. Um, so they were able to log all of their finds and, and really situate themselves on the wreck site relative to these maps that we've generated. And it provides them with a, a baseline of what the site looked like before they started these excavation operations. Uh, in fact, they've just finished that that their um, their field season, um, and have uh, there's a an exhibit has just opened in Basel, in Switzerland, um, with some of the, showcasing some of the finds and, and describing the, the site and some of the, the archaeological work that's been going on there. So it's been a you know exciting project to be part of. It's, it's um, attracted a lot of interest. It's got a, a fairly high profile, um, and our our. Part of that really was using these AUV systems to give them baseline, high-resolution, three-dimensional maps of the uh, of the wreck site. Um, it kind of sounds like uh, Jacques Cousteau meets the robot. <laughs> yeah, well, in fact, Jacques Cousteau visited the site in 1976, um, and they did some some excavation as part of their. Uh, uh, the Calypso program with, uh, you know, they did a lot of underwater exploration and they visited the site for a few days uh, back in the day, recovered a few artifacts. Um, but this is really the first time the, that site has been systematically uh, mapped and, and, and they've done you know, further excavation work uh, this year. Okay. What is the future of uh, AUVs? Where are the, where are the challenges? Yeah. I think... Uh, AUVs have a big role to play in, in expanding our understanding, particularly in deep water environments. Um, our, fo- our main focus has been in coastal environments uh, linked to 
um, ecological and biological studies. Um, and I think there is a role there to play also in, in understanding how changes in oceanography, for example, temperature, um, salinity, current profiles are, are affecting uh, these marine habitats. So we have a big program as part of uh, Australia's Integrated Marine Observing System program, uh, running AUVs at sites all around Australia, uh, looking at how these environments are changing through time. So we actually revisit these sites. These are key ecological features um, all around the country that we revisit and uh, are working closely with biologists and ecologists uh, to document changes in these areas. I think another big role for these autonomous platforms is in understanding deep water environments. So getting them really out into the abyssal plain to, to find out more about what's you know, in the oceans, down in deep parts of the ocean, which we know very little about. I think one of the things that really excites me over the next you know, decade is, is looking at some of the advancements that have been made in, in long-term uh, autonomous system deployment. And I uh, think in terms of the applications, uh, a lot of these uh, autonomous underwater vehicle systems are really um, starting to come into their own. There's some fantastic uh, work going on around the world um, in designing and building these systems, both unmanned surface vessels that are capable of very long-range operation, but also on underwater vehicles now that are really capable of thousands of kilometers of, of uh, deployments. Um, and that really changes the dynamic of, of how ocean science can be conducted um, because it, it reduces the requirement for these very expensive ships and having people out at sea for long periods of time. Um, if you can send these robotic systems off, do a lot of this work autonomously. And we've really seen sort of the precursor to that in the, ocean, the oceanographic field, using these autonomous float systems to help oceanographers get a better understanding of um, circulation and physical oceanography on a global scale. And I think we're seeing gliders, and then um, sort of the next revolution will be in autonomous platforms that can you know, do mapping and exploration work um, over long periods of time in deep water um, across the world. I think there's a, there's a real potential in that area. And uh, based on that, what is uh, Australia's role in that? Are we able to create our own submersibles? Uh, are we concentrating on the programming and uh, that arena? Where, yep. where do you see us? So I think we have we have uh, we cover both areas sort of in, in natively in Australia. Some of these vehicles are being purpose designed for particular tasks. Um, we're currently designing our next generation of high resolution survey vehicle for, for supporting the IMOS program. There are programs in Queensland and Tasmania looking at uh, requirements for other you know, under under ice or or on in complex reef environments. Um, so there is uh, work here in Australia in building these sorts of systems. There's not a, a very large commercial scene yet. Um, a lot of the commercial platforms are being developed in the U.S. and, and Europe. Um, but there's certainly a lot of uh, research effort focused on, on designing vehicles um, fit for purpose. And I think, you know, we're particularly well known in the area of um, the mapping and the navigation work that we do. And, and that's, you know, we have links with all the major oceanographic groups around the world in, in exploring the application of these sorts of tools and techniques. And I think um, we're well recognized in that area. And I think you know, Australia as a whole has, has a, uh, is very well regarded in the area of robotics and autonomous systems, both in the marine space, but also in um, ground and, and air vehicle um, areas. So there's a lot of potential and, and you know, Australia is having a big impact um, internationally in this area. If I can finally ask you, employment prospects in Australia uh, if if you were a student uh, going to university, looking at at the options, 
where would you point them? What, what, what would you um, say to them? Yeah, I think there are, uh, you know, there's a lot of uh, potential. I mean, we, we have um, a lot of students come both through our undergraduate and postgraduate um, teaching and, and research schemes. And, you know, the majority of them do find work both domestically but also internationally. Um, there's a, certainly a lot of activity currently in the robotic space. Um, some of the big companies internationally like Google and Apple and Uber, and it's well documented their foray into um, autonomous driving systems. And, and they're certainly employing a lot of um, both PhD students, uh, you know, postdocs and research fellows who've been employed in, in various labs around the world. Um, so there's a lot of potential there. We do have former students and staff embedded in, in the majority of those those companies. Here in Australia, we do have a domestic market with a, a number of small startups that are, are really doing well in, in uh, developing robotic systems and, and sensor payloads and things like that. Um, but we also see students, you know, that the, the experience they get and the type of skills that they acquire as, as through their study of mechatronics and robotics and things like that have application across a wide variety of domains, you know, from traditional engineering um, work, um, you know, software and electronics and mechanical design work all the way through, you know, finance and, and business studies. And there's a lot of, a lot of interest in, in data analytics and machine learning and a lot of the sorts of um, tools and techniques that we apply in, in robotics can be really transferred across to a variety of different domains. One of my most recent students is now heading up a small machine learning group at one of the, one of the major banks. Um, you know, and the skills that he's acquired here, looking at classification of marine imagery has direct, you know, the, the sort of underpinning tools have direct application into other areas. So what I usually tell students when they're coming to you know, consider maybe taking up an undergraduate degree. The big question is, you know, what, what jobs are there for mechatronics engineers? And I say there's always good jobs for good students. And one of the keys to that is really being passionate about the things that you're studying. And um, and I think robotics excites a lot of people. Um, it's sort of, uh, we have a lot of fantastic students who come through. I teach a, an experimental robotics course as an elective in, a, in fourth year through the mechatronics program here at Sydney University. And the things that the students do in the course of a you know, 13-week curriculum is, is astounding. Put a lot of time and effort and thought into into building these robotic systems, and I think uh, you know feel very rewarded at the end of that. And the, the feedback I've gotten has always been I'm very positive about that that sort of course and the level of engagement um, of the students. Fantastic. If I can end the interview by saying, on behalf of the podcast, I'd like to thank you, Stefan, for your time, and hope to speak to you again soon. It's a real pleasure, Ron, and uh, thanks for being part of this and, and helping to, you know, promote the activities of, of robotics, uh, you know, here in Australia and, and overseas. I hope the, the listeners have enjoyed the talk, and uh, I'm sure there's plenty of other things to talk about in the future. And that's it for today. You can find more information about the Marine Systems Group and about all our past episodes on robohub.org, where there's also lots more content to discover. Our next episode will air in two weeks' time. Until then, goodbye. Swimming with Robots, the podcast for news and views on robotics.